0: Transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in health care delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host, Dr. Michael Smith.
1: So our topic today is Help for Opioid Exposed Babies, a family-centered care initiative for neonatal abstinence syndrome. My guest is Dr. Jody Jackson. Dr. Jackson is the medical director of the NICU at Shoney Mission Medical Center in partnership with Children Mercy. Dr. Jackson, welcome to the show. Thank you. So how often are you treating the neonatal abstinence syndrome?
0: Well, the incidence has gone up dramatically through the country and Kansas and um, specifically at Shoney Mission Medical Center, which is the birth hospital um, that I direct, and this is in, in partnership with Children's Mercy Hospital. That we've developed our plans of care and our protocols. Um, so our incidence has increased dramatically from the year 2000. Um, being a suburban hospital, we're not seeing the same kind of numbers as some um, in our city hospitals, but we certainly have had a parallel um, throughout Kansas. The numbers I have the numbers throughout Kansas have increased. Um, 900% from 200 to 214. Um, wow. At Shawnee Mission Medical Center, we've probably, we've mirrored that, but probably not to the same degree.
1: All right. So tell us about the current protocol then for assessing NAS and an at-risk-in-fit.
0: So um, what initially when we looked at the problem of NAS, we noticed an increase and we realized that we needed to standardize care, and we initially thought we could just standardize how we treated babies medically, and when we got into the literature, what we found was that there was so much more than the medical treatment of this problem, um, that medical treatment is an issue, but it's the last issue, and there's a lot of things that can be done before, and as we dug deeper, we found more and more about what needed to be done, so really, to start with, women who are using medications that could affect their baby and cause their baby to have symptoms of withdrawal, um, They, we need to talk to them. We need to let them know this could affect your baby, and we need to talk about how their dosing of these medications could be adjusted so that their baby would be less affected. And when we talk about women taking medications, it could be prescription medications. They could be in a program um, because they'd been abusing before, or they could be actually just being given prescription medications for a specific kind of pain or chronic pain. So we're not just talking about people who are using illicit or illegal drugs. Right, it's right. Um, it's a problem over all, all populations. And so the first thing we discovered is we need to meet with people. And to that end, we designed some literature to give to families about what to expect. And Um, Then we devised a protocol that that keeps babies with their moms. So what we've learned, the thing that we know best, is that babies who are having symptoms of withdrawal from medications, um, specifically let's talk about opioids because that's what the most literature is, um, families can provide a lot of care that would avoid needing medical treatment. So we call it comfort cares, and we have specific ones for specific problems, but what it entails is keeping the baby with the family, specifically the mother, as much as possible and avoiding removing them for scoring or testing or anything else that we used to do before we realized this issue. Hmm. Um, So those two things are kind of the most uh, family-oriented. And what we do is we enlist the families in helping us to delineate how much problems we're seeing. So it really is a family issue, and um, we can't really treat the the baby in isolation from the family.
1: So that's interesting, though. But when, when you look back in, because I, I, I know there's different um, assessments that are used. I, I think, for instance, there's um, uh, the the is it the Finnegan scale? I think um, are those are those not initially used? Then is there no scoring that happens so um, we, in an yeah, well, infant, or 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 does that come into play?
0: So we do use scoring, and there is no great. Scoring method. We use a modified Finnegan scale right now, but there's a lot of research going on about different scales that we'll, we'll be testing out in our institution. But what we do is we identify babies who are at risk and we educate the families about the scoring system before they have their baby, preferably way before, in a setting that's low stress, and educate about things that we'll be looking for in a non-judgmental way, partnering with the families to help us look for things and to help them understand what we do for certain things. So what we find with the scoring system is that it can indicate if a baby's having problems at certain levels and um, and things that can help. So if a baby is um, tremorous or shaky, sometimes holding skin to skin makes that better. Um, if a baby's hungry, frequent feedings is going to make that better. Um, so definitely kind of dark, light-lit rooms with low stimulation, TV's low, those kinds of things. And so, yes, we do start scoring within four hours any baby we identify at risk. And what we find is with our comfort care measures, we can keep the scores low the majority of the time. And we've been able to decrease our admit rate for treatment considerably. And we've also yeah. been able to decrease our treatment rate. So um, looking at those numbers, um, Probably around less than twenty percent at this point are we admitting, and even less than that are we treating, whereas when we started our project, it was close to a hundred percent
1: okay, so when it sounds like there's no standard really um, uh, scoring protocol, then it looks like there's different ideas out there. Uh, when it comes to the practitioner the uh, who's who's going to or the nurse who's going to be doing a lot of that scoring, how comfortable are they doing that?
0: Well, that's an excellent question and. I guess I'd like to correct you in saying there, the standard that's used right now is the modified Finnegan. That's what the standard okay. is. Now, we're all unhappy with that. So everybody who's doing work in this area are working to develop better ones. And just because of what you just said, it's a nebulous scale. Um, there are questions about when do we score or when, the, when they're being... What, we, what we've we taught is when they're being held and quiet, alert and with the, in the mom's arms. But I think old thoughts were... Um, the baby had to be removed from the family to be scored, which would give you give one an artificially elevated score. For our program, we've done extensive training in the Finnegan test tra- um, scoring with simulations and second score validation and competencies. And really, that's what it takes with the scoring system, a lot of work to standardize it to make sure everybody is scoring the same thing. And then we also involve the family at, in the scoring so that they can also be a part of that. But because it is complicated, um, it takes a lot of training, and it isn't really straightforward, not just mm-hmm. the numbers that are assigned, but when and how to do the, the assessment.
1: Let's talk a little bit about treating NAS. So, so you mentioned that there's so you get the family involved early, obviously, you, you initiate those comfort care um, steps that seem to really help. How often does that, is that all you have to do? Or, or are we still seeing a lot of babies that have to go on to take medication?
0: Well, according to our data here at our center, um, a lot between ten and twenty percent are needing to be treated, which is a considerably lower amount than before. So um, the, uh, so of those who need to be treated, the ten to twenty percent over the last mm-hmm. several quarters, um, that's the other part of what we worked on is how do we treat them in a standardized way? And there isn't great clear literature on what the best way to do is and, We've actually worked together on an international collaborative with the Vermont Oxford Network, which is a collaborative of NICUs that do quality work together to come up with our standard approach. And what we know about medicine in general is um, standardization improves outcomes regardless of what is the standard. And so we keep ourselves to a standard. We do peer review to make sure we're practicing the same way. And we have a very clear weaning schedule to start medication and wean off in a prescribed way
1: um going back to what you mentioned you really educating um the the woman the the family about w- that their their infant might be at risk because of some prescription or whatever's going on in the mom's life um you mentioned some literature that that goes out how important is that how important is getting that message out and and when you say literature where is that going is that going to like community clinics
0: so, um
1: well, how exactly is that being distributed
0: so We've made our own booklets um, addressing our families, and we've shared that regionally and statewide, actually, so other centers are using it. Um, And I think it's one of the most important things we do because they're nice, um, well-written, reviewed booklets, answering questions, um, and they help families realize that they're not the only one going through this. If we have a program with fancy booklets and um, we put a lot of thought into our booklets that have been actually reviewed by families and by caregivers. It becomes apparent that this is this is a program in our hospital and that other people have the same problems so what i 've experienced from families is that this is maybe the biggest impact when they come in and realize there 's nothing to be ashamed of that we 're not judging that we 're trying to support them and this is these are all the things we 've done to support um we get a lot more uh, buy-in and we get a lot more collaboration mm-hmm. with the families which is essential because this is their child that they're going to have to care for and we are just here really to educate and get them through the immediate right. postnatal period and having so, that partnership with the family makes a lot a big difference. Yeah.
1: So so like in summary then Dr. Jackson what what would you like people and practitioners to know about neonatal abstinence syndrome?
0: Well I, one of the biggest things I'd like people to know about and think about is something we haven't mentioned, so it's not a summary, <laughs> it's a new point. But we <laughs> <That's> really <funny. laughs> um, we really need to work as a community to have programs for women who um, are finding that they've become dependent on narcotics and how to support them before, during, and after they give birth. And um, there's we, we've learned a lot in the last 10 years about what goes on and um if women are supported appropriately, medically and psychologically, they can um, minimize their narcotic use and, and function well and and just have a, a great experience with their baby. Um, as a society or as a community, um, really across the country, we don't have great programs for women um, before, during, and after pregnancy who are using narcotics. And so one of the things that I've, I like to call to action or have people think about is how can we do better with that. So what we can do at the healthcare level, I believe we've done an excellent job at our center level doing what we can within the walls of our institution and even going a little bit out by bringing women in ahead of time and helping them um, with the work of social workers and other caregivers to find programs of support before they come in. Um, to me, that's the most important part of the whole story, is supporting women and families mm-hmm. throughout the period, especially after Having the baby, and especially after going home, supporting families um, to keep them well and healthy, and, and to keep them able to continue to provide the kind of cares their babies need.
1: Well, Dr. Jackson, I think that was a great summary, actually, and I want to thank you for the work that you're doing, and of course, thank you for coming on the show today. You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics of Children's Mercy Kansas City. For more information, you can go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.